Welcome to our very first episode of Prog Notes. My name is Destin Frost. And I'm Drew Brown. And man, I'm just I'm super excited to start this thing. How are you feeling today, Drew? I'm I'm excited too. I think this oh. is gonna be a good first episode. Oh yeah, man. This is this is this is gonna be great. So before we get into our first album that we'll be checking out on the show, I thought we might do a small introduction of ourselves and this podcast. Drew, what do you say? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a that's a that's a that's a keen idea. That's a keen pretty, idea there. Pretty good idea. So on the show, what we do is we review albums that have a experimental or progressive rock sound and influence, and we talk about these records. Maybe uncover some interesting facts about them. So, uh, yeah. Drew, what, who is this? Who is this podcast for? And why are, why are we doing this? What's the goal? Yeah. So anyone listening, this is this is for you. <laughs> yeah, <that's>, yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, that was a really redundant statement. No, in all seriousness, this is for anyone who wants to uh, check out Progressive Rock, who doesn't know what it is, and maybe wants to know a little bit more about some of the very influential bands in that subgenre, or for uh, people who already know about it and want to know more, or diehard fans uh, who really just want to hear us goons talk about the, the music that we love. But uh, I think we want to inspire people with, with something new and, and something different, even though it's been a, around a while, at least people of our demographic don't really know what it is. So uh, it'll be it'll be cool to shed some light. Yeah, yeah and, and, if, and if you've never heard of progressive rock or so-called prog rock, uh, you could say progressive rock was arguably started around the late 1960s. Um, and so it's a style of music that normally focuses on experimentation and conceptual themes so common things to hear are really solos from all instruments or members uh you got long songs with movements or sections that tell a story uh anything from sound effects and other movie-like elements uh philosophical lyrics are usually pretty common uh concept albums are really common as well and uh, in some progressive rock bands it's also common to see a certain level of skill uh, to perform the musical pieces, uh, which in my personal opinion is really, really fun to watch and listen to. Uh, and so how it became different from rock and roll kind of, you know, leading from the 50s era, I believe personally was actually the fact that Prague is more influenced from classical music rather than blues. Would you agree with that, Drew? I would agree with that. All, all in all, I think that yeah. there's definitely uh, a lot of avenues that it can go down because it is so experimental and, and some of them were... Uh, a bit more blues inspired, at least when they were first starting out and this kind of gravitated more towards what, what, like you said, we know as rock or rock and roll. But right. yes, a lot of the early pioneers that were hugely influential for that, that subgenre of prog rock were, were very much influenced by uh, classical music. Yeah. Yeah. And we actually met over Prague, didn't we? We did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah. Why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, about yourself and as well as, as how we met for everybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, <laughs> I'm I'm here in LA. Uh, I'm I'm a, an aspiring video editor, um, <laughs> and the way Destin and I met was um, I I had just started taking bass lessons and I wanted to start a rock band. And one of my friends introduced me uh, to to Destin. I was yeah. in study hall of like freshman year of high school, yeah, 2010. And I was like, it was 2010. Man, that seems so long ago. I know. It's crazy. And uh, he was like, 
hey, you want to start a band, right? I was like, yeah. He goes, well, that dude over there, is, his name's Destin. And he makes some like cool music and he likes music. You should talk with him. And I was like, okay. So I like gawkily went over to the other side of the room when <laughs> he wasn't supposed to. Everyone was supposed to be studying, but I was just kind of like, whatever, screw that. Right, it's a study I'm going to talk to this dude. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> this is study hall, but we all know what that meant. Yeah. It's goof off time. So, um, so I went over and I was like, hey, man you like you you play drums right and he was like yeah and i was like cool you want to like you like rush man and he's like i mean yeah i've heard some stuff i'm like sweet let's start a band that's a great (laughs) depiction of your 2010 (laughs) yes of my like 14 year old self yeah and and then we we just kind of uh i guess you could say just kind of (laughs) discovered music together and in terms of kind of the progressive rock area you know we uh we we started digging into it more and then our band that we started in high school like like he was talking about right we were we also did like prog music and progressive rock music uh cuz that's kind of where our influences came from and uh yeah that was that was yeah that was a ton of fun uh, oh, yeah. and and for myself as well uh I actually I live here in Nashville uh Nashville Tennessee I own a few businesses here and I'm also a drummer of course he was the bassist I was the drummer but more importantly than that I am an avid lover of progressive rock and just Love talking about it. So without further ado, let's get into the first album that we'll be reviewing today, a progressive rock classic, 2112 by Rush. Okay, so gosh, this album is just... Unbelievable! I, I love that. I just, love this. Well, record. let's just preface this by saying that yeah, we discovered music together and we really liked it. Rush was like our band. Absolutely. I think that's safe to say. Oh, like man. that was we we you and I both just didn't stop listening to these guys. No, heck, no. probably like three years, like consecutive, three four years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it was so, it was ridiculous. We were always listening to Rush and always talking about new albums we were discovering by them. Hey, did you hear this '80s album yet? No, let me check it out. So yeah. This is a big band for us, so there is definitely some bias in this. We'll go ahead and put that out there. We're huge <laughs> Rush fans. We're massive. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so this was Rush's fourth studio album, released in 1976. And uh, I think before we should talk about the album, Drew, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about who Rush is for people who may not know who they are. Sure. So Rush is, and you've probably heard heard of them. I mean, even people who don't know about prog rock know about Rush yeah. because they're just they, one of the most popular and successful bands in, in rock in general. Absolutely. Uh, but they, they were definitely progressive rock, especially with their early stuff, specifically when we're talking about today with 2112. And, you know, I would say probably about at the very least five or six years after that, they really got into stuff that what most would consider progressive rock. Um, they, they're they're phenomenal musicians. Their career has spanned forty plus years uh, yep. with the same lineup, with the same lineup, and uh, each record has has been very very successful. Absolutely. Uh, Ever since this record, this this one was kind of the kickstart to their career, really. Oh yeah, they they gained a cult following, especially with this one. Uh, yeah, just so much respect from a lot of people, including other fellow musicians. Absolutely. So yeah. uh, they're they're a phenomenal band, and you, you haven't heard them. Well, hey, we're introducing them to you today. Absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah, so Rush is. Uh, you could uh, arguably say that Rush was really the introduction to prog metal for its time. So you know, in the 1970s, 
right now, and let's go back to 1976 for a second. You know, we got bands, progressive rock bands, that will definitely do album reviews on in the future. Uh, bands like Yes, uh, Genesis, King Crimson. Uh, you got Pink Floyd as well, who was in that area. And so when Rush came around and they sent this out, it totally brought things to a heavier level, but also being very, very experimental and progressive. Um, I don't think that they actually realized that at the time when they recorded this, but they certainly were influenced. And they've, you know, we've obviously, we've heard a lot of things about what the band members have said uh, about their influences, but they are really just the introduction to like a prog metal of its time. Now, obviously progressive metal would be, you know, they wouldn't really be considered prog metal at like now, you know, now metal has kind of its own ordeal um, but they really were just innovators of their instrument. They took heavy to a really new level. And that is definitely the reason why they're on the show is because they had a massive impact to the community of progressive rock, but also they inspired so many other bands that came in the 80s mm -hmm. and the 90s. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when they got inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, when was that, 2013? When did, when did that, 13? Yeah. I think yeah. Uh, yeah. Dave yeah. Grohl, uh, who, if you don't know who Dave Grohl is, he's the lead singer of the Foo Fighters, also was the drummer of Nirvana, heavily was influenced yes. by Rush. Um, so the big name mm -hmm. guys were, were very influenced by Rush. And um, so they they took a big impact on the community. But uh, so, Drew, let's uh, let's dive into this album for a second. So I think we should give a uh, kind of a preface here to say that this album is only six songs. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's one of the the keynotes of this album is that it just like a lot of or you know al or, or bands before it in the in the prog rock genre the pioneers as it were uh, long songs. So this is this is an album that has six songs. The first of which is about twenty minutes. Yeah, uh, and the rest of which are, are I wouldn't say standard rock and roll tunes, uh, but not as conceptual as the main epic, which is a lot of why this this album gets so much um not only praise but just attention absolutely it's because it's uh you know a 20 minute song yeah. that's crazy and people have people <laughs> have done that in the past and and uh, let's go ahead and give a preface for this as well for long songs okay i know that every time i speak to somebody who doesn't know about progressive rock or doesn't know about epics um tend to think of a 20 minute song as like oh my gosh that sounds like just awful like that sounds, but, but what I know what they're thinking, they're thinking of the same three minute pop song repeat, you know, repeating for 20 minutes long. You know, what I, it's like music at a club. That's what they're thinking. Right. <laughs> it's just on loop. You know, it's it's like on a loop and it, but that's not the case here. You know what, what, what this is, it's, it's in, what was it? Six, is it six movements, six parts or seven? Mm, I think it's seven. I, I think it's seven parts. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a yeah. seven part epic that tells a story. Uh, throughout music and throughout the lyrics uh, that they that they wrote, so it's it's a uh, it's a journey. It takes you on a journey. And uh, Rush, at their point of their career, at the point of the where they are at in their career, um, they were you know this was their fourth album. So their first record was really just heavy rock, straight rock. Um, they also had a, a different drummer at the time, John Rutsey. Uh, but when they picked up Neil Peart uh, in 1975, when they did Fly By Night, which was their first album with the lineup that they currently have today. Uh, and uh, that album uh, did pretty well, but their next album that they did off of that was Caress of Steel, 
which was also 1975. And I believe they also nicknamed that tour the Down the Tubes Tour. Uh, they did. So this was, yeah. uh, they were getting a lot of pressure from the record label. Now, it was only a production deal. So they were, they, you know, they were helping with get their records out. But so they had a lot of pressure from the record label to go back to doing a radio hit because in Caress of Steel, their last album, they started getting into that more experimental that, you know, they started, they, they wrote two long songs in their last album, like an 18 minute and a 12 minute, and they didn't do very well. Um, I mean, these are kids. I mean, they, they were 20, they were 21 when they did Caress of Steel. They were 22 when they did this album, you know? And, uh, Man, yeah, you put that in context. I'm 22. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, dang, okay. But so they, they, they had a lot of pressure from the record label to go back to what they were doing. And what I, I mean, they, they got really, really kind of hacked off by that. They, they didn't want to do what the record label wanted. They wanted to do what they did. And they, and it's an incredible story because they went from, basically you know not listening they didn't listen to the record label completely you know the manager like lied to the record label saying they're going back to their real hit and then they just drop a 20 minute epic yeah it was, it was basically <laughs> giant middle finger to them to the record label just saying hey, yeah let's, look this is this is us and if you don't like it hey you know what fine kick us off your label that's fine we'll do something else you know we'll yeah we'll find another record label or crud we may not even do this band as our career and we'll just do it for fun but guess what this is not why yeah. we're here this is not we're not here for the money we're here for the music which is you know it's it's yeah. uh, it's that's great it's totally great yeah and and when they released it i think it, the album took one year to go gold and so it really uh it, it launched pad their career they, they got a they got a following from it people loved it and uh, it kind of kick-started their career so and you know, needless to say that, you know, this, I mean, they really, it sounds like they just let their imagination run wild with it, but also you can hear kind of the, the anger and the aggressiveness in the album when you listen to it. You know, it's got a lot of heavy tone to it. Uh, and I think it was, it, it's very aggressive. I mean, would, would you say this is a really aggressive yeah epic absolutely absolutely and yeah i think a lot of the story too conceptually this 20 minute piece is not just random stuff like you said they're movements but of the same overarching story so i i think that the story that they tell that neil created with his lyrics the drummer is the lyricist neil peart <clears throat> i think that the story that he tells actually has a lot of parallels to um to their actual real life situation this is idea of, you know, what, just, 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 you know, the, the individual is, is kind of being heralded rather than the system, right? Right. So, uh, now they were influenced by Ayn Rand, or, or Neil was when he wrote the lyrics, the, the book right. by Ayn Rand called Anthem. Uh, so, you know, heavily inspired by it, and you can see a lot of parallels too, but I think also that they took from their real life experience, wow, just this... You know, we're we're ready for something new. We're ready yeah. for something that's us personally, so something more artistic, something that yeah. we can introduce and be proud of when we look back on at the end of the day. Despite you know your <clears throat> wishes of us going, in, you know, staying with the system and and swimming with the current, as it were, they, we want to swim against the current. So and oh, yeah. it, that that anger, that resistance, is definitely like you said, it's felt through 
the intensity of the music, the anger yes. in here, and, and all of this. The vocals, I mean, Getty, Getty Lee, who is the bassist and the vocalist of Rush, I mean, just his vocals in this album, I think, it's just, it's a step up from what they were doing. You know, it, it I really, I really think so, but you can also just hear the emotion and the passion behind it. And the album really, like you said, Drew, I mean, it, it relates to Ayn Rand because, like, it relates to it a lot because not only, you know, what did they base it, you know, Neil Peart based it off of what was Anthem, based it off of Anthem, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Anthem by Ayn Rand. Okay, yeah, but also, like, she wrote a lot about the individual and freedom to work the way you want to work and, you know, liber in a libertarian perspective, you know, so yes. I think that was a big time influence on Russia's situation at that time. It was their protest album. Yes. You know? Yeah, that's a, that's a great way of putting it. It was, yeah. it was their protest album. Yep. Absolutely. And so that's this album comes off as very raucous, you know, very pushy, very dynamic. Oh, yeah. Just it like is. that part that's right there. Thing. Yes, that's another thing to note. I, I think that, that's, that's it's, it's dynamic. It's Absolutely. a very dynamic album because it has a lot of this anger, but it's not, that's not all it is. It's not That's screaming. not all it is. At all. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's so, not this constant screaming 24-7. <laughs> that's, that's where I think Rush sets themselves apart from metal or prog metal. Yes, I can totally see the influence behind a lot of prog metal musicians saying that they take inspiration and they take pieces from what Rush has done. And I totally get that because I can see it because they're, they're, like you said, they're an aggressive band with a lot of their music. It's definitely rock. But uh, th I think they set themselves apart because I think their music is very dynamic. Yes. Um, so, I mean, the popular stuff is, is very raucous, but you look at some of the deep tracks and uh, it's not all the same. It's not all the same. So uh, I, I love that they're a dynamic band with just three people. It's phenomenal. Yeah, and, and, and it's really rare to see a band where all three, there's three members of Rush, there's all three of the members are arguably, I actually never, I don't think anybody would argue that they are all three masters of their instrument in their own communities. In the guitar community, Alex Lifeson is probably in the top 50 guitarists of all time, arguably, right? I mean, I, he's yeah. pro, he, I mean, he's personally one of my favorite of all time. Right, um, right. But then Getty is also considered one of the greatest bassists of all time. And Neil is definitely considered one of the best rock drummers of all time as well. Uh, yeah. And, and so that is so rare to see that just all of them, every single one of them, were all considered masters in their instrument and highly respected just for their playing alone, completely separate away from Rush. You know, it's mm -hmm. just they're an anomaly. They really are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and this, and so 2112 <laughs> is like, you know, like Drew was saying, you know, is, is a 20 minute epic. And so this, this song takes, and we've been playing uh, pieces and sections of the song throughout the, the episode here, but uh, it, it takes you on a, a cinematic journey, really. You know, each, each chapter begins kind of uh, is, is, is part of a story. And so, uh, Drew, this is kind of your realm uh, in terms of lyrics. Why don't you kind of tell everybody what what 2112, I know we said it was based off of Ayn Rand and, and Anthem, but if they've never read the book, if they've never even heard of Ayn Rand, what would be the best way how you could how you would be able to describe what 2112 is based on? 
Yeah. So Neil sets up, and he had been doing this before too. Uh, when I say that he sets up his unique characters and his universe and everything. Right. So I mean, I mean, he in albums before even on Fly By Night, which was their second album, he he was you know writing lyrics, uh, you know, on these eight minute tracks, a little bit shorter, but it was still kind of it was starting that trend of hey, I'm going to create my own characters with their own really cool stories. Yeah. And, you know. Uh, either fantasy or sci-fi so super nerds which i love about oh, them that's it's, it's, it's great oh yeah to kind of introduce a little bit of nerdiness to a very rock masculine centered uh <laughs> you know yeah. genre so uh but he had been doing this before uh this one uh, i think uh was his biggest um it was their longest track but uh again it was it was you know based on anthem so it's set in this dystopian world where you know uh, of i think it's megadon is what it's called. Yep. And it's this this world where the computers run the system and the priests at the temples of Syrinx kind of worship these computers. They do what they say and everything is very bland and black and white. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no art. Uh, you know, everything is part of a system and everyone is supposed to be subjected to this system and just follow and obey as they're supposed to. Well, he creates this protagonist that discovers music. He finds a guitar somewhere uh, and he, he discovers it. Um, and he, he starts to learn how to play it and he loves music and he thinks, oh my gosh, how am I just now thinking of this? Well, of course this is set in the future. Uh, so it's, you know, ostensibly since now and then music has been outlawed, um, and it's been forgotten and abandoned. Well, he brings it because he thinks he's discovering this for the first time ever that, you know, no one's ever discovered music before. Mm-hmm. So he brings it to the priests at the temples of Syrian and says, Hey, look how great this is. Look how awesome it is. Can, you know, we should incorporate this into our society. This will be great. And they say, no, this is, you know, this is dangerous. This is something that, you know, destroyed the elder race of man as it were. Yeah. And, uh, they, they cast him out and his idea out. Uh, and eventually he just can't take it anymore. Uh, cause he, doesn't want to live in a world without this beautiful thing, this music that he's discovered. So he kills himself. Yeah. And, uh, and at the end that section where he discovered, because that's the second part or the third part where he discovers it's, it's called discovery, but he discovers the guitar, which is real literally in, in the song. When you listen to it, it's just Alex sitting in the studio, tuning his guitar as his, as if he is discovering his guitar, discovering this instrument. It's, it's, quite brilliant really it's it's really cool and then he starts kind of noodling with it well yeah like you said it paints a picture it's a bit more cinematic absolutely so you can you can really see this in the story and and the world that they're creating when when they when they set this up which is it's it's masterfully done it's it's wonderful um but in the end that dystopia is kind of replaced with another one another bigger greater entity another government with a lot of forces comes over and takes over uh you know the temples of syrinx and all of that so uh it's it's a bit depressing but uh it's it's also got a very good point to make which is you know uh art is worth dying for and it's something that you 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 put your you're all into um so it's it's depressing but there are some there are some glimmers of hope uh you know with that the fact that there is a protagonist that is willing to to stand for something that's not just part of the norm, right? Kind of breaking the status quo. Um, you know, even if it ends in a tragedy, just the fact that he had that spirit is, that says a lot. Um, but uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it, it's great lyrically and it's very conceptual. Um, yeah. But that, that's, that's what Rush kind of did ever since Neil got on, you know, behind the lyrics and the, the writer, as it were. Th- their lyrics became, once he set in as the lyricist, much more cerebral, 
much more intellectual. Uh, and th- that's just how he wrote. And they liked it. The, you know, Getty and Alex, the other two, they, they enjoyed it. And so they, they decided to stick yeah. with it. They, they, they were happy with that kind of more quote unquote sophisticated lyrical output. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and that definitely, uh, uh, it was funny because when they brought in Neil into the band, I think they were, <laughs> they kind of, because before that, before he wasn't in the band, you know, Alex, and Getty were the ones kind of writing the lyrics, as well as John Rutsey, the former drummers. They were kind of writing the lyrics. And even throughout, even up to this album, right, in 2112, there are still other songs, you know, on the back half of this album, those those other tracks where Alex and Getty did write more tunes. So I, I, it's really cool because not only is it a, they, they have this tremendous epic at the very beginning of the, you know, the whole A side of the album was one song. But when you flip it over to the B side, you still have, you know, some of Getty's personality and his writing that that is coming through on this song. And then Alex wrote this song and, you know, it, and then they kind of ended it with a song that's kind of like a coda almost. And so, you know, there's a lot of personality that, that comes through this. And, and musically, I love that about it because this, there is enough space because, because there's only three of them, but also because they write really well together, in my opinion, where they leave space for everybody to have their moment. And I love that about them. Yeah, it is absolutely. not. It is never. It is not about we have, you know, Ariana Grande, and then the back band where you don't even, you know, you don't even know who they are. They're just there. You know what I mean? Like you don't, right, you don't come right. to see the bass player of Ariana Grande. You know, you <laughs> right. You know what I mean? But like, when you go I, to not Rush, normal. you go to see Rush, which you is you go all to see them. all three of them. Yeah, yeah because yeah. they are all they all express musically throughout the the songs very well so there's you know there's always there's parts where they have solos and you know like and i was discussing before you know where they every you know it's very common in progressive rock music to have multiple people having different solos bass solos drum solos guitar solos and and elsewhere you know if you're getting into like keyboards keyboard solos and stuff like that but also you know to to bring in ideas musically and lyrically from all the members and um which makes it very very uh collective it's it's more community oriented and i love that about progressive rock music so much is that there is never at a time one person writing all of the music it is multiple personalities bringing together their own flavor their own style and so and that's what creates the band you know it's this weird blend of flavor that creates rush and who they are you know and who they listened to and and it creates other bands as well and I love that. I love that specifically about Rush because every single one of them gets their moments, you know, and, and you get to listen, right, and right. You listen to it. And so uh, when we'll come back, we're going to take a little, a little break here. We'll come back and we'll talk about maybe the B side of the album as well and take a look at some other sections and uh, how we respond to those. I wish that it might come to pass, not fade like Dude, that bass slide gets me every oh, time. You know, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you guys can't see, but I am like ear drumming and singing along with this when, when we take these breaks. It's so Gosh. epic. And when I hear this, when I hear his voice, it's so raw, it's so intense. Oh, it there. is. I, I mean, I'm seriously, I'm thinking of him on a, a stage 
uh, like a sh like a Shakespearean tragedy. I really think of it. It seems like a play where he's you know he's giving and the section this section is called yeah. soliloquy, so that makes sense. But but it's so appropriately named yes. because I just I think of that. I think of like this one spotlight on you know a character that's just really giving his yes. all, his entire personality, just singing his heart out, and and this is how I feel. Oh, this right is here me. is amazing. It's so so intense. So, like you said, it's a very aggressive album. It's very intense and, and passionate. This is kind of an overused word, but yeah. it's appropriate here. So we'll go oh, ahead. Yeah. And I, I love, but the, it's it's so intense. I love it's the great part. part. Just just that lyric. Just think of what my life might be in a world like I have seen. Yeah, yeah. I, just when he when he sings that, like that is just so. Oh my gosh, he's just belting it, man. Like he's just he is belting yeah, yeah. that, and the solo is phenomenal right there. I, I thought honestly out of the entire epic there's multiple solos from Alex the guitarist and in, in the epic but I think that one specifically in soliloquy which is part 6 of the 7 um which is kind of the the more sad part um I think that's the best solo there I mean I I, lo I love the emotion behind that part and just the dun dun and then that bass slide dude that bass oh, slide so good how oh my can you gosh, not get into dude. it but it's it's nuts but Let's take a look at the B side of this album because, man, not only did they write just a phenomenal epic that got a lot of attention, they wrote some pretty solid songs on the B side, uh, starting with a song called Passage to Bangkok. So let's take a listen to this. And uh, what is what is your initial response to this song when you when you first hear it? What what, what minute? Well, okay, yeah, I've got I've got a story. So this is actually how I met my my current wife. <laughs> I was in high school. Oh man! And I was all about Rush, and I'm still kind of a pretentious guy, but I was much more pretentious back then. So anyone who knew anything about Rush, I automatically put like set the bar for them pretty high. I was like, "Oh, you're already super cool." <laughs> yeah, you already know like the glory that is Rush. So <laughs> she starts singing this tune. I was like, "This is a B-side track too. This is not a popular, super popular Rush tune." Right. You know, this isn't one that's like, like, okay, I've heard a couple of Rush songs, and this is one of them. Right. This is not this one. This is not, right? Yeah. This is, so, I mean, it's a song about weed. Um, yeah. <laughs> gotta, yeah. Which is so funny, because they're super nerdy, and they're not, they are not the most, like, drug-heavy bands. I mean, you no. hear stories from them in the past, and other bands that were touring with them were like, they were the most chill, non-drug, non-partiers ever. Yeah. They they went back to their hotel room and watched TV or read or practiced or wrote more lyrics. They were – that's the stuff they enjoyed doing. They yeah. did not party. They didn't go out. But this is so funny that, you know, they definitely did a bit of weed. And they, <laughs> I guess they just wanted to write a song about it. But it's funny because lyrically it's so different. Yeah. It's so different, yeah. you know, from all their other stuff. But anyways, back then my – my now wife was singing that. And I, I, my ears perked up like a dog, like when they hear a strange noise. And I just immediately like rushed over in, in homeroom. And I was like, whoa, you're singing Rush. Do you know that? Do you know them? Like, what's going on? Like, what are you all about? Who are you? <laughs> She's like, sure. I'm surprised she didn't like freak out and run away and just stranger danger. But, you know, she, she was like, yeah, I know some stuff. I'm like, all right, I'm going to teach you the rest that you don't know. And she's like, um, okay. Yeah. Uh, and for whatever reason, uh, she didn't freak out. Uh, but, you know, and it's like, oh, my gosh, get away from me. Uh, she ended up being my wife, which is great. I'm very blessed. But uh, that is what I think of when I think of this song is when I first met, you know, you know my, my yeah. 
That's really cool. my friend back then who became my wife. So uh, awesome. it's uh, I've got a bit of yeah a sentimental attachment. To this yeah, song. and this and this is a I mean it's a pretty cool. It's really interesting because this is the this is the next song that comes right after the twenty one twelve, right? Yeah. And which is hilarious yeah. to me. Which I don't ever think about, but you're yeah. right. It's, it's this song right after twenty one twelve. Okay, so okay, so to put that in context, okay, <laughs> we're gonna go from a you know a futuristic dystopia just incredibly <laughs> right and then we flip the album over and then we go to this about some guys looking for like the best weed right. in the world. <laughs> it's like, let's go to bangkok let's go to lebanon let's go to all these middle eastern places and see which which is the best kush right. like <laughs> it's so it's so funny because it's like okay we go from futuristic dystopia to this eastern feel rock song about marijuana yeah, this is. <laughs> I mean, it's so this is the starkest contrast. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny to me, and and I love it. That. Is, and it's not a bad song. No, it's not a bad it's song. Not it's at a all. great song. It's a great rock tune. Really cool. That's the thing. Really, it's, cool it's funny. It's funny, but it's also a solid rock song. Absolutely. It's something you can get into. Uh, but that's a that's that. Yeah, it's a good song, it's a great but it's also kind of silly. Yeah, yeah. And and the um, next one, the next one that comes after that is Twilight Zone. And uh, that is, that was, I actually have an interesting fun fact about that song. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but that song, this song was written and recorded the exact same day. I did not know that. Yeah, I, I was, and it's pretty cool, but I mean, you, you obviously know lyrically why, why they wrote this. They were, they were big Twilight Zone fans. Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, I think they were big Twilight Zone fans, which also just highlights again their nerdiness. Their nerdiness. I love. Absolutely, uh, I love it. Yeah, you know they 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 really enjoyed that show, sixties, and uh, they just decided, hey, let's make a tribute to that. Let's make this kind of weird, warped musical feel to put them in this world that's kind of strange, like the Twilight Zone. Yeah, which is really cool. So it's just their kind of uh, yeah. musical interpretation of. The Twilight Zone, absolutely, which is super neat to me. It's that, really how cool. cool is that? Yeah, and and it, it also it also kind of ties back in with the sci-fi futuristic thing that's going on in the front of the album. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, we we have the, we have the twenty-one. Tw I mean, it's really funny. I mean, on it, if if I were doing it, if I was going back and I was putting on the track list, I would make Twilight Zone right after twenty-one twelve because it it just fits. <laughs> but it's so funny how it just flips right to this Eastern marijuana song, but then it goes back <laughs> to this sci-fi thing that's going on. So. You know, I, I, I really again, like this again, song. Dynamic, dynamic, right? We've got we've got a lot of stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, it's <laughs> and like you said, yeah. like you said, prog rock has a lot of experimentation, right? I mean, so this is just a, a wide variety. Absolutely. And then we go later on. I don't think it's the next the next one's lessons, but one after that is pretty different too. It's a very lyrical. Yes. And when I say lyrical, I just mean uh, um, very beautiful, very lilting tune that Getty writes. It's a Getty piece. It's called Tears. Yeah. And um, that one's just. Very pretty. Yeah. I mean, that, that was he, he wrote the lyrics for that one. He also played acoustic uh, on it, too. Very interesting. Yeah, he, he played very acoustic on it, so, which is what, what I was mentioning back to before, is that, you know, these guys are really young. They're 22 years old, 22, 23, 21, roughly around that area, you know? So they're, they're, they're I mean, they're like I said, their imaginations are really running wild here. I, and I love that because it just shows that they're not, you know, conforming to like a system they're just doing whatever comes to them musically well and they they also started using keyboards a bit more with tears right i mean yes. it wasn't a huge well actually it's a big piece of the actual song it fills up yes. a lot of space yeah but that that 
and they got to use synthesizers more, especially in the 80s when everyone oh, was absolutely. using Oh, absolutely. But to begin with, other bands were, were using a keyboardist before them, right? Yes, and Genesis, a yeah. huge staple of that music, of those prog rock bands, was their keyboardists, right? Yes. And that was a big part of the sound. For Rush starting out, it was not, right? Like we said, they were much more aggressive and straight rock based, right? So. Yeah. They, they, but with Tears, they kind of used huge synth pads to kind of fill up this space. And I think that kind of started, uh, you know, when they started to, be, to become a bit more prog influenced. So I think that's another thing to yeah. note on yeah, that song. Tears is also, uh, is I, what I love to say, is it's the only Rush song that you can play at your high school dance. Hey, everybody. Destin here. And Drew is here. Thanks for sticking with us up to this point. If you like what you're hearing, we'd love it if you would consider becoming a patron over on our Patreon page. If you're looking for a modern source for all things progressive rock, you found the right place. So go check it out at patreon.com slash prognotes. You'll see that we have an active Discord chat community and extra benefits beyond our monthly episodes. And back to the podcast. <laughs> it's, it's a very, it's a pretty song. I, you know? I, have to, I have to disagree. I have to disagree because later on, I think Bravado is actually a really good oh, song. Oh, that's, that's another but, one good, yeah. That's a good but, one. Uh, but yes, I see what you're saying. <laughs> it's, 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 it's good though. And, it, and it, it, so it has, it's like, like we said, it's very dynamic. You know, the 2112 is super in your face and obviously Twilight Zone's a little bit more laid back. Passage of Bangkok is still pretty cool. And, um, and then we reach to another one, uh, which is Lessons. And I don't know if you knew this, but Lessons was written by Alex. Uh, Alex wrote the lyrics to the song. He also wrote the main melodies and everything to the song as well. So, you know, they're, they're all still incorporating their songwriting into it. And I think after this album was really when Neil kind of took over the role of the songwriter for the band, uh, which is right. so and awesome. Think- A drummer. The drummer is the songwriter. <laughs> like that is just... He You're really happy words. about that I as the that. drummer. You're see- <laughs> I love that. Like, I mean, you don't you don't see that very often. Honestly, you don't see that very often, which is which is great. That's true. That is true. It's really uh, great. And he's and he's he's a great lyricist. Uh, he really is. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal writer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it kind of ends uh, up at the very end of the album with something for nothing, and that's got a, I think, almost kind of like a coda for twenty one twelve. Like it's got kind of the same vibe of it, uh, but also yeah, yeah. They, you know it kind of they kind of took their. Uh, I, th- I honestly think in the Rush community, the B side of Twenty One Twelve is very underrated. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. I, 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 and I would agree. I would absolutely agree. I think it gets, I think it gets highly shadowed by Twenty One Twelve, a lot because Twenty One Twelve was such a big epic, and it was an, you know, it was an awesome release, and people absolutely loved it. But I think the B side of that album got shadowed a little bit by, uh, by the epic, and so um, it's definitely, definitely worth checking out. So. But Drew, Drew, yeah. why would why would should why should somebody give this album a listen? Why should somebody listen to this album if they've never heard of progressive rock? If they've never heard of Rush, why should they listen to this album? In your opinion, because this is a great place to start. It's a great place to start um, with with what we're talking about with prog rock. And like I said, this isn't a history class. We'll, we'll incorporate and, and talk about more of the elements of that. Um, yeah. But but yes, it, it brings in a lot of those elements specifically. The idea of, of a concept album, which again had been done before this, absolutely. Uh, but 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 this is a good one, one of the concept albums to really start out on. I think um, it's it's a big twenty minute piece, uh, and it's yeah. it's different from what you typically hear. Um, I think, and 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 a lot of music has been made since then. But that's another thing you have to keep in mind is like the context, the historical context, like what was going on at this time. 
this, um, you know, they weren't the first prog rock band, but like you said earlier, I would definitely agree. They made it a bit more aggressive and a bit more palatable yes. for people who wanted something more high energy, right? So sometimes I think a lot of people just, you know, who didn't get into prog back then, they, they may not have appreciated yeah. just that, that Genesis wasn't hard enough, that yes, just wasn't raucous enough. Yes. And Rush kind of combined to that and they filled that gap. Yeah. And uh, again, without even realizing it. Yeah. So that's, that's, it's a phenomenal album to listen to, uh, something definitely different. And something I would encourage anyone who's listening to this, if you haven't heard of Frog Rock, if, if you haven't you know played around with any of the other albums and longer songs specifically, give it the attention yes. and the time that it deserves. Because like we said, it's kind of like a movie in a yeah, sense. So it's right. weird to kind of start it and then stop it later on. You know, don't do this while, you know, you're 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 in the middle of something give it the time it deserves yes. because it is more artistic that's, it that's is a bit more conceptual that's what i love about it too is that you cannot that's just listen to it once and be well. okay and in my opinion you know what i mean yeah right and you can discover new things but that's the thing is you also have to like sit down and give it the time and uninterrupted i think that's that's fair to say so you it, it really lends itself to attentive listening so that means when you listen to it, you know, even if you don't listen to a whole album end yeah. to end, at the very least, when you hear the epic, set aside 20 minutes to just listen to this end to end without doing anything. Put your phone away uh, and just just kind of listen and, and to what if they're I doing. I may add to that as well. Uh, and and you know, why I, I know a lot of why it's unique. Uh, you know, you know for, for me, you know, I, I really gravitate towards musicianship and I gra and I gravitate towards uh, music. Uh, the music, you know, and I, I would highly suggest if you, if you find yourself to be more of a lyrical person, if you find yourself gravitating more towards lyrics, you like to sing, you are a singer, pull up the lyrics, listen to it with the lyrics in front of you, because what you'll see is that Neil also puts little short texts, almost kind of like a, uh, um, the liner notes of the section before the, before it actually the starts with the lyrics. So it's really yeah. setting up this, this world. Um, which is really cool. Pull up the lyrics, listen to it as, as you're you know, reading the lyrics through, and you'll hear how they change characters throughout using dynamics and they use uh, you know, their instruments to depict these aggressive parts as well as the protagonist's parts. And uh, so I, I just wanted to add that, you know, pull the lyrics up, take, take 20 minutes, listen to it. And um, certainly if, if, you, if you like it, if you don't like it, it doesn't matter, but I promise you, you'll at least appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you said earlier with the, with the characters and, and all of that, it's a, it's a bit more theatric. Yes. Uh, this, this entire genre kind of is too. So, Very. um, it's cool. And, and, you know, a lot of bands have done that since then, but I think they took influence from this. I think this was kind of, um, the first time the, you know, not not you know rush specifically but just the genre of progressive rock it was it was this movement where you know you're kind of yeah you're taking stuff uh from classical influence um and crud you know operas were just long yeah you know big stories right but they they were all music and, and they were kind of they were kind of playing around with that they were putting rock and rock and roll uh and stuffing it uh, or rather yeah they were stuffing it and combining it with um you know, a much more conceptual, just um, larger story, a longer story and, and creating characters and, and kind of masquerading them around with this kind of, you know, different and new rock music that was, you know, 
blowing yeah, up. So. Absolutely, absolutely. So how uh, how how do you think we should? How do you respond to this album? Like in in terms of of Rush, you know what what do you, how do you place this album in terms of maybe one of your favorites? Because they have nineteen studio albums, and which is a I lot, do. right? But it, it, how would you how would you place this album maybe in in your terms of Rush albums? Uh, I don't know if I can give an exact number, but it's definitely one that stands out. And I remember hunting for this one on vinyl. I had gotten a bunch of the other ones. Oh, um, I got it too. And so I remember hunting for it. I was like, I don't want to buy it online. I want to go to a record store and I want to see it because I love that idea of vinyl hunting. Just, you know, going out there and just being like, oh, I found it. Oh my gosh, I've yep. got it. And, and, and yeah, it's a it's like, where's Waldo? Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> exactly. It's yeah, like, it's where like, is it? Like vinyl, vinyl hunting is like, honestly, the legit version of Pokemon Go. <laughs> <laughs> it's the music nerds version of it it's like where is it and, yeah. but yeah uh <laughs> but it, it's uh but i remember seeing this and i was like this this is an album that has that i have to have it has to be in my collection yes. and it, so again i can't place a certain number on it because i'm a big rush fan so i love a lot of their stuff right. um, we're slightly we're slightly I, biased with that of course of course but uh, I remember first hearing this and freak. I remember going over to my friend's. I have vivid memories going over to my friend's house, having my dad's old, like super, super early, like iPhone where I put all my music on there. And oh, yeah. I remember going over to, to my friend's house and he would be playing a video game. We would trade off levels. Well, when he was doing it and I was bored, I would pop in my headphones and I would like, like air drum to, to this album. Oh, so, yeah. It's it's high up there, and it was it was a breakthrough for them, and I totally see why. And hopefully, you all uh, will too uh, if you yeah. ever check it out. So yeah, I think the only the, one of the biggest complaints that I think I hear from people that I've made because I've showed Rush to to you know family members and other friends. The number one thing that people I think tell me that they just cannot stand is the shriekiness of Getty's voice. Now, that is okay if you don't give up on them though. Because later, as Getty gets older, his voice starts going down a little bit, you know? And so uh, he, he definitely right. takes it. It's definitely more uh, it's fuller and not as shrieky. So if that, is one, if that is the biggest thing that bothers you about everything that you listen to, and maybe you're thinking, it's like, I can't get into them because of the shriekiness, come back to another episode where we do a, a later Rush episode, a later Rush album, and give that a shot. Because I think I think yeah. you'll dig it a little bit more. You know, it's not going to be a shrieky. It's going to be a, a whole lot different than this. It's probably less aggressive, uh, but also is still going to be really cool. Really, you know, obviously rock. Uh, but you'll be able to maybe it, it'll be a little bit more palatable to you. So uh, yeah, I, I I think that's another thing to to just really quickly mention is that these are our personal opinions. Obviously, we're not trying to push anything or or or, or say anything to anyone about of their course. musical tastes or or that they should like something like this, right? We're we're very uh, intense and we we really like our music. Um, but it, there's also on the show we're gonna be. I know I will. We'll be reviewing albums I've never heard before by bands that I don't necessarily yes. like. But I think that that's something you know. We're, I I wanna I wanna expand my musical palette. I wanna see what comes from some of these bands that I haven't heard in the, in the product. Of course. So um, again, these are just opinions and these are just suggestions. So, you know, take Absolutely. it with a grain of salt. I Absolutely. guess that's all we're saying is that we're not saying that your music yeah, sucks right, right, or yeah. anything or that ours is the best or anything like that. No, not at all. But this is just something we're passionate about that. We know a lot of people haven't really heard or given the time that 
um, at, at least they, they should they should give at least one album a chance by of this course, band or something. Of course, and I think so. this I think this album is is a good place to start. And uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to give us a comment or a suggestion. Uh, email us with any if you want to hear an album or anything. Or you know, obviously we're very new to this, and this is our uh, our first ever podcast. So if you have any suggestions for our show, please email us at prognotespodcast at gmail.com. And uh, uh, Drew, why don't you tell us, why don't you tell everybody what our next album we will be doing is? The next album is, I can't believe we're doing it this soon into the game. I'm, I'm just going to preface that oh because it's, big, it's the biggest album for me ever. It's big. So the next one we're doing is The Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd, which, you know, is a, it's a huge album. Everyone's at least heard of it or at least seen the design of the album cover on a shirt somewhere. Oh. <laughs> one, of the, one of the most notable albums in all of, of rock history, yep. hands down, is my personal favorite album of all time. Uh, you know, I, I may be going with the stream on this one, but that's okay. It's a big it's one. It's a big one. It's it's a big one. But, so, yeah, next week we'll be doing The Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. So I'll try to contain myself, and we'll try to keep it brief. It's going to be tough. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll have to, we'll have to but, give uh, some, you know, <laughs> we'll have to breathe a little bit. But thank you all for listening, and we will see you all next time. Thank you so much. <laughs>